Welcome to the Fight Talk Podcast. This is Steven Jensen. Before we get into this conversation with myself and John Mosley, reviewing UFC Fight Night, Rodriguez vs. Watterson, and previewing UFC 262, Oliveira vs. Chandler, I got a paid ad here from the Military True Crime Addict Podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about them right now. If you're searching for a podcast about true crime relating to actual life events of military personnel, veterans, family members, and associated with the military in any way, then you've come to the right place. They welcome you to the Military True Crime Addict, where they'll be exploring a plethora of actual true crime stories that have not been reported on by news outlets or the media, stories that upon hearing you'll be astounded by. Such history should have been told and reported on long, long ago. There's going to be detailed stories from so many that touch on topics such as serial killers who were in the military, stolen valor, assault, harassment, sexual preference, abuse of power, murder, hazing, rape, and all stories that in some way relate to our military veterans and their extended families. This podcast provides a voice to the victims so you can hear their side of the story and raise awareness of the heinous crimes and fight for those who are most impacted. You do not need to know anything about the military to enjoy this podcast. On this podcast, the listeners can hear true, original crime stories with precise dates and the specifics of what occurred. So thank you to the Military True Crime Addict for sponsoring today's show. And with that all being said, kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with myself and John Mosley here on the Fight Talk Podcast. What is up, everybody? We are back here on a Monday for us, whatever day of the week we get you on we appreciate you uh but it's back it's fight talk podcast time it we got everything we got pfl talk we got bellator talk of course we got ufc talk we got ufc 262 just a couple of days away we're gonna dive into that uh big stuff man john mosley here as always uh steven jensen the man himself over there uh exciting stuff man we had a really good card this past weekend but you can feel even with uh the card changes uh saturday ufc 262 is gonna be pretty wild yeah i'm looking forward to it man we had some good stuff this past weekend like you mentioned we got a big card coming up this weekend and it'll uh it'll be cool because with that being in houston texas and them you know doing a full capacity show and everything so it's going to be loud, going to be a lot of fans, so uh, I'm excited as a fan that's going to be watching from home uh, to just kind of watch uh, everything go down this weekend. Right, same, big saying, can't wait. I'll be on uh, I'll be on the road Saturday, but thankfully it's not going to be a far drive. I legit, uh, the, my wife got a B&B legit, so uh, so we could like get out of the, the, the venue as quick as we kind of can and uh, and get over, so I should. At the most, I should maybe miss the first fight live uh, on the main card. But other than that, I'll be firmly in seat, able to uh, to watch all this live, which isn't always a certain for me. Um, but that's uh, that's where we're at for two sixty two. But yeah, like like Stephen said, man, plenty to talk about before that. Let's uh let's lead things off, man. We, we talked about it at the end of the last show. They 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 were back this week. The PFL had a uh their third show on espn2 it it has some big big names on it every card so far has had some names that jump out to you the uh, the two we really want to talk on uh, i don't think you know you, how do we talk pfl and not lead off with kayla harrison getting the job done tko strikes round one um i mean that's exactly what they wanted to see right 
Yeah, I mean, and the thing with Kayla is like, I got to pull a record up because she had like that situation last year too. Because she went and she re- she fought for Invicta. Like PFL let her go uh, fight Courtney King and Invicta, and then she was supposed to have a fight, I think, for Bellator or no, sorry, for Titan FC. That's what it was. I'm seeing it here now. Um, and it wound up not happening because Cotton uh, because of her weight cut. So Harrison has been wanting to fight and like ready to fight since November, uh, basically. And she just went in there and just made quick work of uh, Marias. I mean, it's just she's super dominant. Um, the only it's just one of these things is I really want to see Kayla Harrison against like top competition because she's mm-hmm. just, you know, she's so dominant in the PFL. But she also fights at 155. And I don't know if she can, like, safely cut to 145 or, like, or if there are some women from 145 that'd be willing to go up to 155 or something. But, like, it's just unfortunate that she's at a weight class where, like, there's no one else. Um, I know that uh, Clarissa Shields is going to be debuting soon. And, like, that's a, like, you yes. know, if she, you know, if Shields looks good, that's, I think, the matchup you need to do, like, ASAP just because you know, make the money while you can type thing for, for Harrison Shields and the PFL. Like if you have all three of them and Shields looks good in her debut, but outside of that, it's like, that's the only thing that bothers me about the Kayla Harrison stuff. It it has, it has nothing to do with her. Like, I think she's fantastic. I think she's a great face for the company. Um, She's a really good fighter and she's super, super dominant. It's just, she's a super dominant in a weight class that there just isn't like, any names like for any really in any company like the ufc doesn't have a 155 pound women's division like there isn't she couldn't even come into the ufc and fight at that weight you know unless they created a division around her similar to what they're doing at 145 <clears throat> but so yeah that, but as far as the fight itself yeah i mean you can't ask for anything better than that just take down ground and pound just made i mean less than a minute and a half just complete domination yeah complete domination got all the the Six points, the max you can get uh, with the PFL. The the win gets you three, and then a first-round finish like that. Six points on the season so far for Kayla Harrison. Uh, we, yeah, I, I mean, you summed it up perfectly, man. Can't wait uh, to see down the road what happens, win all that with, with Shields. Uh, but but for right now, no doubt about it, could not have asked for a better way to start for, for the, the face of the PFL, uh, Kayla Harrison. In the main event, it was a heavyweight fight. Fabricio Verdum back in action, though it did not go his way. He got dropped. He got put down. Round one going the way of Hennon Ferreira. It was, uh, again, six points uh, to Ferreira. And, hey, man, you beat you beat Fabricio Verdum. And we both, we've said this before, man, you know, it doesn't matter at what stage of, of his career you, you beat him at. That's a win. That name matters. That man carries weight. So uh, a, a great start this season for Ferreira. So yeah, the only thing with that uh, with that fight was like the controversy because you had Ferreira tap out on the ground, but then he also did TKO or Doom with hammer fists. So it was just weird seeing like it seems like Ferreira taps out, Doom kind of kind of lets off, and then Ferreira like does great ground and pound. I mean, lands a bunch of punches and some sick hammer fists, but. So I don't want to take anything away from Ferreira's win. And I don't think he was necessarily like 
I don't know. I, I mean, there are people who, who tap and I mean, that is kind of a strategy too. And but I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say Ferreira was like getting away with something because it's also possible that it wasn't a tap. I mean, it's, but it, it looked pretty clear that that is what happened. It looked like it was a tap. Mm-hmm. It looked like Verdum felt it. It looked like Verdum let off a little bit, but, uh, and then Verdum also tweeted about it too, basically saying like, you learn as a mixed martial artist that if somebody taps, you respect the tap. And but also in MMA, to Ferreira's credit, like if the referee doesn't stop the fight, then you keep fighting too. Sure. So like you know yep. that's that's where I'm at with it. So I feel like it was on the referee to to stop the fight, and that didn't happen. And I mean, I guess Ferreira could have like just stood up and been like I tapped out or like just tapped out then you know because you could always you always have the option of tapping like you could even be standing and you can just go down to a knee and tap the mat and like you can mm-hmm. tap out like so I mean he could have done that but realistically speaking like how many people re- would have really done that you know what I mean like it's like all right like the ref didn't see it or or it's also you're in the heat of the moment too like where you may not even realize you're tapping you're just like instinctually you know what I mean like I so I so it was a big one for Ferreira, but like there just there just was a lot of controversy around around the tap and everything. But um, it was it was wild though to see Verdum. I mean, his PFL debut gets gets TKO'd, so it'll be interesting to kind of see where he goes from here. Um, after that, yeah, especially with he, he could have some thoughts about how things went the way they are, but uh, for sure, for Ferreira gets the Ferreira season gets the six points. And, uh, and we're in the swing of things, man, with the PFL season. Their next event will be PFL 4. We're a month out, or a little more than a month, I should say. June 10th, PFL 4, and that will be the MMA debut uh, boxing champ, Olympic gold medalist, Clarissa Shields, in there against Brittany Elkin, uh, June 10th, uh, which, again, the next event for the Professional Fighters League, man. It's been, a, it's been an exciting Season so far, three events in, uh, and, and like we've already mentioned her, but very excited to see how Shields does uh, in the MMA world. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a lot of high expectations, a lot of high hopes. Uh, she's, you know, obviously she's a legend in the world of boxing. So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> I, I hope I hope that she's successful because I really want to see, especially if she's successful against Elkin and she just like, you know, if she can really show her skills off, show mm-hmm. her hands, <clears throat> it'd be really nice to see her, like, stuff a takedown or something, too. Like, just to see if she has any takedown defense. I know she's been training with, you know, Greg Jackson in that camp and stuff. So, like, there's uh, there's a lot of high hopes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to, see how, interesting to see how well-rounded she is or isn't. Because, you know... Like I said earlier, the like the big fight is Shields and Harrison because you have Harrison from her you know judo world and you have Shields from her world of boxing, both being like some of the best in the entire world at what they do in their in their respective disciplines. But if Shields doesn't have good grappling or even like decent takedown defense or anything, she'll be no match for for Kayla Harrison unless she she you know catches her with a punch which is always possible but like i think harrison would be the heavy favorite going into that just considering that if harrison gets a hold of you and puts you on the ground there's just probably nothing she's gonna be able to do so 
But but I mean I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing Clarissa Shields in there and and, and if Brittany Elkin goes in there and beats her like you know Brittany Elkin will make a name for herself and you know they'll have PFL and and just in Clarissa Shields and everyone's gonna have to kind of figure out what they want for her career uh, you know in MMA but we'll 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 talk about that stuff kind of when it happens but I I am very much looking forward to it. Plenty of storylines to be, uh, you know, the, the first chapter, I should say, of, of a couple of those. Just a month away, PFL4. Let's uh, let's shift over to Bellator real quick. And then, uh, of course, we're going to be diving into this past weekend's UFC event. A little preview for 262, just a few days away. But let's talk a little Bellator 258, just a few days ago, right before the weekend. Main event, of course, Sergio Pettis. The uh, the dub getting the Bellator bantamweight title wrapped around his waist after a unanimous decision win, 50-45, 49-46, 49-46. Another Pettis with gold around his waist, man, in the main event. The uh, the other three fights on this main card were all finishes, so we'll kind of we'll hit all those in a second. What did you think about Sergio's performance and uh, now a, a champion? Yeah, good for Sergio. Um, so since leaving the UFC, he is now three and zero in Bellator, and he lost. He won his last UFC fight on his way out, and I remember that being a thing because he went off and tested free agency and really bet on himself. Uh, you know, going into his fight against Tyson Nam. So <clears throat> good to see him over in Bellator. Uh, he's fought some good people too, like Ricky Mendejas, the guy he beat before Archuleta for the title is a solid fighter. Like this was a, this was really good to see for, for Sergio. Cause he was a guy in the UFC that like, I, like I always thought was decent, but he's had, like, he's had some questionable kind of, like, so back, I remember back when he fought Bruce Leroy and remember yes. being like, and I've, and I've never been that big on Bruce Leroy, but he's, but, but he's been looking better recently, similar to Sergio Pettis. Both these guys, I guess, were just, I mean, they were young back then, and uh, they got a lot more experience now. But, I, you know, Sergio, you know, he lost to Cejudo, which is like, you can't really fault that. Formiga, you know, Formiga is hot and cold. Same with Rob Font. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know exactly where Sergio really fit in. Um at flyweight or bantamweight, but he really has found his home at bantamweight in Bellator. Uh, it seems to be just a perfect fit for him, and he's been looking really good. So, uh, so yeah, shout out Sergio Pettis winning that title from uh, Juan Archuleta. Good for him. Yeah, great, great win. Always good to have some gold. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about the losses, talked about uh, already. He's only 27, Sergio, right here, 27 now. With a career record of 21 and five, um, can't wait to see nothing but up, man. Like I said, 27, plenty of, of prime years ahead of them. Still young, still growing. In the main event, in the co-main event, Rumble Johnson. We did not get Yo Romero. We got Rumble in there against Jose Augusto Azevedo. It, it we all thought, myself included, I thought Rumble was going to get a first round knockout. I thought Rumble was going to, you know. It was going to be Rumble, the Rumble show. We got a, a scrap that does finish with Rumble Johnson getting the knockout. But, man, this was back and forth. It looked a little hairy there in the first round. Uh, but, again, Rumble moves on in the, uh, in the Grand Prix. Yeah, Azevedo dropped him early in the fight. I mean, 
and I was telling you this off air, but I think that this probably was a more entertaining fight than what we would have got from Johnson versus Yoel Romero. Like on paper, the Yoel and Johnson fight is is massively bigger. I mean, not even close. But <clears throat> but we've also seen some fights where you know where Yoel doesn't you know he kind of circles or wrestles, and some of his fights just aren't very entertaining. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they aren't. This fight was entertaining uh, with Azevedo and Johnson. And to see Rumble get that knockout in the second round, like it felt like we were watching Rumble Johnson and it looked like a Rumble Johnson knockout. And I mean, it was it was a lot of it was it was really cool to see him back doing his thing Um, as Avedo. I mean, he really tested his chin like we don't see Rumble Johnson get dropped often either. So it's like that was yeah, like you said, it was a really good fight. It was very entertaining. And Johnson got that definitive win in the second round and showed that. He's still got the power that uh, that he's always had, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun because you know now he's gonna be wrestling or wrestling. He'll be uh, fighting Madem Nemkov for the title in the next round. So title shot in uh, Anthony Johnson's second fight back soon. Title shot, uh, of course, the winner of that will move on to the final of this Grand Prix and will face the winner of Ryan Bader and, uh, and Corey Anderson. Yeah, the final's supposed to be in October. Both those semis looking like July. Uh, and plenty of storylines to be had in this one. I know uh, basically uh, our picks are going as we kind of, I know we, with the, the old getting uh, you know out of this kind of through a little wrench there, but still um, basically what we thought we'd see, two exciting matchups, man. Uh, if everything goes the way we think it will and we get these over the next three, four months, um, are you sticking with everything, and, and uh, how do you see this unfolding now, particularly between Rumble and, and this title match? Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm gonna say, because I, I had Rumble winning the whole thing in mm-hmm. our uh, yeah in our in our bracketology, so I'm gonna stick with Anthony Johnson knocking out Vadim Nemkov in the next round. Um, Nemkov's looked great, but I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Rumble. And I think Ryan Bader advances to the finals as well. Um, so I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with that as my finals: Bader and um, and Anthony Johnson. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say so. Anthony Johnson. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hold on to my pick. Say he wins the whole thing. But man, that'd be wild. I mean, with him being gone for yeah, dude. I mean like four years, and then second fight back could be the champion in, in Bellator. I mean, that that's a hell of a story. Huge matchups, definitely be on the, uh, the lookout for confirmation on those. But one more time for Rumble Johnson. The last two fights on this main card, we had uh, Peter Queeley beat Patricky Pitbull, TKO Dr. Sawfish, and uh, and really the gift of the night for me, the opener of the, uh, the main card, MVP Michael Venom Page and Derek Anderson squaring off. It was a catchweight fight at 175. Uh, and... and uh, it was, uh, man, it was a kick that you heard me giggle when I saw it. It was a moment that, like, it's another one of those Michael Page moments where you're just kind of like, yo, how is this glitch still working? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> with Derek Anderson getting knocked out while, like, taunting, too. So it isn't even, <laughs> you know, it isn't even, like, because one of the, like, really the only knock, I think people can have on Michael Venom page is that he doesn't fight like, or he doesn't, he hasn't won against like top level competition. Like he's fought, uh, 
he fought Lima, and mm-hmm. we saw what happened there, and that was mm-hmm. like one of the most impressive knockouts ever. But but we've also seen like this brilliance out of MVP, like when he caved in uh, Cyborg's head, and like just the impressive stuff he does. And then you see him in there with Eric Anderson, and you're like, okay, let's see if let's see what Anderson's got for him. And then like you're expecting somebody to like just because MVP is does so much you know wacky type stuff. You think that his opponent would like <clears throat> just be like straight to the point, you know, like he like wouldn't feed into that at all. And then Derek Anderson just like starts clowning, and it's like, oh no! And then yeah, wh- just kicked to the face, flattened his nose. <clears throat> got a fight, got stopped in between rounds. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. It just it shows you like MVP keeps doing impressive stuff, but like the guys he's doing this stuff against, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I, I like I'm like I'm down like if I'm fine with him doing this over and over and over again. Like I I'd be fine with seeing MVP on like every show, and he just fights just a random person. But I would like to see him real, and he's fought Paul Daly before as well. I can't remember who won that though. It was like a way more boring fight than what people were hoping for. Daily wound up <clears throat> Daily wound up winning the uh or sorry, no. Uh Page one. Page one. The, the, lost is the, uh, the knockout you mentioned to Lima. That's right. But the daily but, fight was like way more like people were expecting a yeah, lot of dude, that. And I, it was I, myself included. I was very excited about it. But your your point exactly, you look at his record right here. Since the Lima fight, yeah, he's not fought anyone as good as Lima since. Yeah, I mean, so that's the only thing. I, I want to see him fighting better fighters, but he's very impressive against the people he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. part of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but once again, like I don't even really have a problem with it. It's it's like because it is fun to watch, and maybe that's part of it too. Is like they know kind of where he's at. Like, I mean. Because the, the thing is, like, there isn't that much of a, there's not that much space if you're looking, I don't think Bellator has, like, true rankings, but, like, if you had Lima as the champion, like, Paul Daly isn't that far off from that. Mm-hmm. And he beat Paul Daly. So it's like he can, it's like he can definitely compete with the best, but, like, I don't think anybody, I mean, I mean, maybe him and Lima is a good rematch at some point soon. I mean, Lima's going to be running out of people eventually, too, probably. So, like, I don't know. I'm interested. Like, I like watching Michael Page fight. Like, that's the the bottom line. He's an entertaining guy, he's entertaining. and he's a fun yeah. fighter. Um, but I would like to see if he can like actually compete for the title, and if and if not, like maybe be fighting other contenders on a more regular basis. I guess. No, yeah, I, I million percent agree, man. Um, Bellator 258 was was good stuff, of course. So we got a new champion. We got Rumble Johnson moving on. Their next event will be May 21st. Uh, it will be headlined Chris Cyborg defending the women's featherweight title against Leslie Smith. One more time, May 21st will be Bellator 259 Cyborg versus Smith. Part two, or just two, however you want to say. It. I don't care. Um, moving on now, we've got this UFC talk. We got a big event this Saturday, but the past Saturday we had a car on the ESPN. We had Pavel Cerrone back in action, which, of course, we're going to talk about. We had maybe the most talked about person on the history of this podcast since me and Jensen have been uh, doing this together. Neil Magny with a dub. 
but it was headlined by, uh, by, by a women's flyweight fight, which we both uh, guessed and assumed and, and thought that would be the main event. It wound up going, uh, going that way. But uh, an upset, man, I know a lot of people I talked to expected Michelle Waterston to win this fight. Decision goes the other way. Marina Rodriguez, a 48-47, 49-46, 49-46 unanimous decision win in the main event, man. Uh, when it was unfolding, when you were watching, what kind of did you did you catch yourself kind of going back to anything uh, on some notes on this? <clears throat> no, I mean, it was... It was a good fight. I mean, Rodriguez just is just a better all-around fighter, I think. And Rodriguez is also bigger, like physically and stuff. So I it <clears throat> it was just something where I just better, just fought a better fight. Like I, there's not a whole lot more I can really say about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like Waterson's still a good fighter. She still won a couple of the rounds, um, but Rodriguez won more of the rounds. I mean, she just just has a better. She just all round had a better game, and yeah, there's that's really that's really all I can really say about it. Good win for uh, for Rodriguez. Yeah, pushes it her fourteen one and two. Her only loss is to Carla Esparza. It was a split decision loss back in uh, July of last year. Since then, back to back wins, uh, performance of the night bonus over Amanda Rivas back at uh, back in January of this year. And then this being her flyweight debut, a and a very impressive win over Michelle Larson, which is absolutely a name in the flyweight division. Great main event. It it, uh, it it was a cap off to a night that a lot of eyes were on for Cowboy Cerrone being back in there. He takes it. I didn't think he was going to fight. I thought we would see him maybe in a week or two. He does uh, end up fighting Alex Morano, who um, who's been really active. I know we've talked about him quite a bit since, uh, you know, since 2020, he, he, re- he fought three times in 2020. He went one and two, but stayed active. And then now back here with a, an impressive finish uh, over Cowboy Cerrone in the first round, a performance of the night bonus for, for Alex. And, um, and it, it was tough to see, man. I know we're all huge fans of Cowboy, but, you know, I don't know if anyone was shocked because of, you know, I, I, I expected Alex to get in there and throw, and, and he did. Yeah, and, you know, I picked Cerrone as my, like, prediction pre-fight, and the main reason was because of the way that he fought Alexander Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I figured it might be kind of similar. Maybe Murano would uh, maybe get a little trigger happy, and maybe, you know, maybe, you know, I don't you're in there with Cowboy Cerrone. So it's like, you know, the guy's going to be a fan. I, I mean, I'm assuming, you know what I mean? I'm assuming before the fight, like Morano, given his age and stuff, probably grew up as a Cowboy fan, as many of us have. And I know sometimes that can, can kind of skew the way people fight when it's like you're in there against a guy like you really respect or like you're a huge fan of or something. Mm, for sure. And I thought maybe like, yeah, maybe the whole situation and maybe he wouldn't be completely ready because it was short notice and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, I, I hate to put it this way, but it's really, I just have to be real about it. Like cowboy, he just can't hang anymore with like these, these level guys, like these guys who are like these young, hungry killers that are like, like Alex Morano knew coming into that fight. Like if I'm aggressive and I stay on him and I can put cowboy out, like, that's how I can make a name for myself. You know what I mean? Like that, that's like, 
I think Cowboys see I and this is what's really sad. Cowboy versus Diego Sanchez, which was the original fight, that was a perfect fight for both guys. They're both in like the same kind of spot as far as the, kind of the downside of their career. Both respected names. One guy being the other doesn't really hurt either's legacy. Nothing like that. Alex Morano is like he wants to be a contender. He's a young, hungry kid with a lot of skill and a lot. I mean, and a lot of power. And, and he he's a very he's a very solid fighter. And Cowboy, I, you know, I don't. I'm sure it's a combination of his age and how many miles he's got on him and, and just, it just happens in sports. You know, he just is not in his prime anymore. And Morano's just, and Morano's a guy who probably hasn't even entered his prime yet. And, you know, so it's like, and the other side of this too, is Morano was training for this fight in case one of these two fell off. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, so it wasn't something where like Morano had no idea a week ago, like, he apparently told his his camp, like, hey, if something happens to either of these guys, like, I'm going to be training. Like, basically, he was in a training camp anyways. Like, like he was kind of expecting either Diego or Cerrone not to make it to the fight for whatever reason. So, like, he came prepared. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I, you know, Cerrone said afterwards in some interviews that he's, you know, he's not going to hang them up. Uh, he doesn't want to go out like that. And. I'm sure part of that decision has to do with like wanting to be in front of fans and that kind of stuff, um, which I'm okay with as long as they give Cerrone like another guy in his position, another or or like a sure thing. Like if you can find like a like if CM Punk's down, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like you know like if you can find a sure thing, like Michael Jackson, the guy who, who fought CM Punk, like one of these guys, then like you know then I'll like. Basically, you need to either guarantee a Cerrone win on his way out, or it needs to be against like yeah. Robbie Lawler or something. You know what I mean? It's got to be against someone else who's like also on the downside, but like so so respected, such a big name that it doesn't it doesn't hurt Cowboy's legacy to be losing to him. You know what I mean? No, I totally agree. Uh, I knew he wouldn't want to go out like this. I've, you know, there have been some reports he's talked to Dana already about you know him kind of going out his own way and not. It's, it's, it's the same story we, we talk about, man. I feel like we're every couple months at this point, as old as, as we're getting, it's it's the guys, the talent that we've seen uh, in all, a lot of wars and a lot of mem- uh, fights we love, or memories of fight fans for us that are all kind of having that talk of, like, I don't want to be forced out, but, man, it, it's, it's, it's coming sooner uh, than any of us kind of want to admit it for a lot. I mean, it's a, it's taxing it's 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 fucking you're fighting for your life in there and cowboy cerrone's been about that life his whole life so uh, i i could not agree with you more i hope he one more mate you know if, if there's some money there and it makes sense and it's a good way to go out win or loss i mean i love that because it's not i know you want to go out with a win i know you want to go out with your story your your way but it's never bad to go out on your shield against someone you respect. Um, so, you know, I, I'm I'm for it, but I'm also for you know Cowboy. I want him to have a, a good life outside of of fighting with his family. Um, so yeah, yeah. Shout out Cowboy Cerrone, huge win for Alex Morano. Definitely going to be uh, keeping an eye on him moving forward because going to be as confident as it gets, uh, and he should be after that performance over a true legend. Um, also in the welterweight division, we got 
Neil Magny picking up another win. Decision goes 29-28, 29-28, 30-27, all in the way of Neil <coughs> over over Neil Magny over Jeff Neil. And, uh, and, and another performance, man, that anytime we talk about Magny, we got to mention the record again. This puts him at 25 and eight active, always looking to scrap Neil Magny. Yeah, I mean, just quietly putting together this like fringe Hall of Fame level career. Like, I mean, I, I don't. I some of his fights might maybe one day will like reach the Hall of Fame if, if he doesn't individually. I don't know. But like. If you look at his record, his only losses are to, like, the best of the best type guys. I mean, lately, over the last few years, Michael Chiesa, who's, you know, in the mix right now for a potential mm-hmm. title shot. Like, if he wins one more big fight, he's going to be a contender. Uh, San, Santiago Ponzinibbio, same type of thing. He was, like, on a real hot streak before he took all that time off. RDA, former champion. Lorenz Larkin, who was on a real hot streak at that time. And Damian Maya, you know, former title challenger and stuff. I mean, it's like, and all these guys he's beaten, like Eric Silva, when he beat Eric Silva, Eric Silva was like a pro, like a top, one of those kind of top prospects. Calvin Gaslam, Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, John Windsor Condit, Gene Liang, Robbie Lawler. I mean, it's like, that's a hell of a resume that he's put together. And that whenever Jeff Neal just adds to it, because, you know, I gotta look at the uh, the UFC welterweight rankings. I'm gonna pull them up real quick. Cause he's sitting at he was sitting at nine and Neil was at ten going into that fight. So yeah, I mean, I have to imagine Magni will fight maybe like Vicente Luque or something next. I mean it's oh, yeah. gotta you know, someone between him and him and Chiesa, or maybe even someone higher, depending on if someone needs an opponent, like like, you know what I mean? If, like, Gilbert Burns, like, didn't have an opponent or something. Like, yeah. I, you know, like, why not, you know? So, oh, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, big one for Magny. It was a good fight. Jeff Neal, in my opinion, won one of the rounds. Uh, But, you know, Magny won two of the three, and both guys were very solid fighters. Like, this wasn't anything where, like, like, I watched that fight, and I was like, you know, Jeff Neal's a, he's a damn good fighter, too. He just... Magny just a little bit better, a little more well-rounded. Um, and that's all it really is at the end of the day. Magny's, Magny's a real problem for, like, anybody at that division. Um, so, yeah, big shout-out to Neil Magny. Keeps doing his thing. Still at it, always going. Feels like he is that guy that could always be there to step in short notice for a big fight. And it feels like a big fight still. You go, oh, no, oh Neil Magny's fight, like you're saying, uh, Gilbert Burns or someone in that situation. I'm going... And you never know. You never know with a Neil Magny. He's broke my heart before and beat guys uh, that I've I've been a big fan of and thought, oh, they're gonna you know, they'll they'll sweep the floor with Neil and he's he's beat them. So yeah, uh, one more time for Neil Magny. A great fight. Uh, yeah, Luke, Jeff Neil, nothing to be ashamed, man. You just you, the better fighter on that night was Neil, and uh, and and yeah, we love to see it. I, I can't believe I'm at this point like expecting to have to have to start the. Uh, that put Neil Magny in the Hall of Fame champ one day, but uh, it's it's brewing already in me, man. Now. The next one we're gonna get on it's a fight we both were talking. We've been talking about how he got pushed. We got it finally. Uh, a lot to talk about in it because it was a great fight. I'm talking about Gregory Gillespie and Carlos Diego Ferreira. I say a lot because Carlos comes in overweight, catch weight fight. He was something like three and a half, four or something. Like, what was it? He was 
four and a half pounds over the non-title fight limit, man. Uh, don't love that at all. Comes out, get beat Gregor Gillespie with the TKO in the second round. So Gillespie gets the fight of the night bonus. And because of the missing weight, all that 100K goes to Gregor Gillespie. Um, I love it, man. I love it. We talked about before. You know, you love that it's a, a a great fight. Still, you love that the person that came in, um, you know, at, at at their at their weight did their job right, got the win, and it is. It's a little bit of uh, a, a kind of that pat on the back. That not the good one. That little pat saying, "Hey, man, that was a good fight." But like, you know, you didn't make weight. Like all that money's going going to Gregor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Never like seeing that that side of it, but I mean, the fight itself though was really good. Like Ferreira, it was kind of back and forth in the first round, but then at the end of the first round, Ferreira was really laying it in on Gillespie. Like he was hitting like some really nice ground and pound, and definitely ended the first round in a dominant position. And then Gillespie just went out there in the second, and you know. He just basically the the intangibles that Gregor Gillespie has that are just really, really valuable that really help him are <clears throat> well one that he's, you know, a really, really high level wrestler, like NCAA national champion and everything. But outside of like the wrestling skill base that he has, he has a lot of heart and a lot of will. And you can just tell by the way that he fights, like with his conditioning and just how hard he he fights like that's what really is gonna that i because th- i don't think he's like the most skilled overall mma fighter like if you like on paper like like just like going down like a list checking boxes there's a lot of things kind of like holes in his game i think that he kind of lacks but he makes up for all that stuff because he can just go in there and outwork people and that's basically what I think he did to Ferreira. Like Ferreira had him in trouble a few times, and then Gillespie just just outwilled him and eventually just took over and just was able to get him on the ground, was able to to pound him out. I mean, it's like just it's you know it, it's just one of those things where I I think that he's like I think he's like thirty four. I think I remember them saying in the post fight. So like he's not a young guy, but he hasn't fought a lot of these like top 10 guys in, in lightweight. And I, I think that like, I think he could mix it. Like his big, his biggest fight today was that Kevin Lee fight where he got mm-hmm. head kicked. Yep. But outside of that, he's looked really solid. And if he gets another chance at like some of these top 15, top 10 guys, I think he could do well against a lot of them just based on having better conditioning and having just kind of that will to win. Um, So I, that's the biggest takeaway I got out of this fight with, with Tim and Ferreira was like Ferreira had him in a lot of trouble, but you know, Gillespie, he just, he just outworked him. And I think he's going to be able to do that to a lot of people in the, in the division. Absolutely, man. I could not agree more. Loved his performance, the toughness, first fight since that loss to Lee back in the, uh, the end, towards the end of 2019. So, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I could, I just, I, I was very happy to see that go the way it did. You're right. Some things still to be learned, but uh, on toughness and just kind of will, uh, Gregor Gillespie in a fight, you're going to have my, uh, my eyeballs on it, man, no, no doubt about it. 
the the last couple on this main card, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive in this pay per view. Um, we had wins in the middleweight division. Open things up on the main card on ESPN. Phil Hawes beat Pal Dawkins. Unanimous decision, 30-26, 30-26, 29-27. And in the heavyweight division, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, de Lima defeated Maurice Green. Unanimous decision, 30-26, 30 30-27. 30 Two pretty, pretty confident decision wins for these guys. Um, any, any extra thoughts on the last couple on this main card? No, pretty dominant. Um, Doc has had his moments against Haas, but Haas just just overwhelmed him uh, for the majority of the fight. Good performance from him. And then same with the Lima and, and Mo Green. Like that was about as one sided as it gets. Uh, you know, obviously you have the two thirty twenty six scores, meaning that Green lost two of those rounds, twenty nine twenty eight, or sorry, uh, ten eight, and then uh, the thirty twenty seven on the other, where it was you know, ten eights across the board. So, or sorry, sorry, 10, 10 nines across the board for the 3027, uh, 10-8 in one of the rounds for the other two. Sorry, my math is so terrible. But um, but it could have been even worse. Like, as far as, I talk about it a lot, so we don't need to get into it. But, like, if they actually use the scoring system how it should be used, mm-hmm. like, this probably was even worse, like a 3025 yeah. or something. It, it was 100% DeLima just takedowns it's round and pound and in controlling green and green had no answer for it at all so dominant performances so yeah that's all you could really say domination from the lima and from haas good stuff on the main card the prelim card over on espn plus we had a couple decisions the whole show opened up with a anaconda choke though with uh, with carlson harris being our last performance of the night beating christian aguilera uh-huh yeah uh, not Christina Aguilera. Okay, okay. Teeny in uh, a bottle, baby. <laughs> There's two different Christina Aguilera songs plugged. We should have got paid for that one. Um, yeah, great night. Good stuff. Ha- very happy with these finishes, with the wins. UFC in the book for last weekend. But you know Dana White's getting it. We got things to do. We got fights to see. May 15th, this Saturday night, live from Houston, Texas, back on the road. The Toyota Center is going to be going crazy. We we know. Let's get the bad news out of the way. You don't need me to tell you. You don't hurt. But Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards will not be fighting on this card. That one will be at UFC 263. We only get to wait about a month longer. So everyone calm down, myself included. That was a bummer, I think. Like I went, that was one of those things I woke up to and was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm not doing anything today. It's it's ruined. But again, we're gonna be positive. Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, UFC 263 next month. So now the uh, the main card is looking something like this. You know, we're gonna this main event, man. We've got the the vacant UFC lightweight title. Shout out to these. He may not be in action, but he's always on our minds. He's going to be forever talked about because he done did it. But we got to have a new champ. UFC lightweight title will be wrapped around the waist of either Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. Just a few days away, Steven Jensen. How excited are you for this? How do you see it going? I'm very excited. Um, I'm sticking with my prediction that I've made, that I've been saying really for his last few fights. Uh, got to go with Charles Oliveira. I got to say that he wins the title. I think the only way Chandler wins this fight is if he knocks him out, um, which is possible. But 
you know, I don't want to take anything away from Michael Chandler, you know, former Bellator champion, very good fighter, very likable guy. Um, and what he did to Dan Hooker, knocking him out, it, 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 the timing was perfect of, of all that. It was on, you know, it was right before the McGregor and Poirier rematch. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone saw it. Um, but like on paper, I don't think that what he's done is like, it's like you, the Bellator champion side of it, yes. But like, if you're looking at in the UFC, I mean, I think Dan Hooker's an awesome fighter. He's one of my favorite guys to watch, but coming in and only beating him, you know, I don't think that's like, that is enough to jump the entire line of killers that are already there at lightweight or a guy like Justin Gaethje, for instance, who, you know, lost to Habib, but Habib's not there mm-hmm. anymore. So like, you know, I think that there were probably some better options than Chandler, just me personally speaking. But that being said, I just think stylistically, you know, if Chandler lands a bomb on Oliveira, that's possible. But it's also possible that Oliveira has as good, if not better, striking. Because, like, Oliveira's striking is really underrated. And then if Chandler wants to wrestle him, which he's, you know, he's got a wrestling base. He's very good at wrestling. Like, do you really want to put Charles Oliveira on his back? We're like, that's, I feel like that's exactly where Oliveira would want to be. Like, please, please take me down, you know, like, good luck. Do good it. luck on the ground. Um, So that's the thing. I just think that Oliveira is just a nightmare for a guy like Chandler. Because if the, if the standup isn't working for Chandler, he's going to want to go for the takedown. But like the last place you want to be is on the ground with Oliveira. So I, I, I'd say Charles Oliveira, you know, I, I think unless Chandler gets a knockout, I think Oliveira... I think Oliveira taps him or, or, or completely like he chokes him cold or something. Like, I think it's going to be some uh, submission win for Charles Oliveira and a uh, new lightweight champion. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with Oliveira. I think it's funny. We talked about Bellator earlier in the show about rumble and his second fight, going to fight for the title. Here we are again, Michael Chandler in his second fight, this promotion fighting for the title. Um, I think you summed it up. I'm with you. You know, I usually I play devil's advocate sometime, but I think I think the only way Chandler wins, if he lands that shot, maybe he does. But I expect I expect Oliveira to get this done, get the title wrapped around his waist, and and really get some really cool matchups down the line. But uh, no doubt about it, Michael Chandler showed in that Dan Hooker fight that that he's uh, he's worth watching, worth not blinking at least at times because he. Uh, he really turned some heads. I mean, we're, we're talking about it again, uh, fighting for this lightweight title this Saturday night, May 15th, UFC 262. That's going to be your main event. It appears, is this the right, the co-main event? Are they doing the five-round thing still? I think they are. Are they? I don't know. I know that they were going to do five rounds for Edwards and uh, Nate, but I don't know if Ferguson and Dariush is. I don't yeah, think so. I, won't, I won't confirm it. I could have swore I saw that they were still going to have that be a five-round co-main eventer. But either way, we know we're getting Tony Ferguson and Benil Darius, which I I know uh, there was a lot of talk about the Nate fight. There's definitely a lot of talk about the title fight, all that. I'm with you. But I, I'm very fired up for this one, Stephen Jensen. I think this is going to be, like, we know Tony Ferguson, but, you know, Benil Darius is super, super uh, underrated from uh, the grand scheme of things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's on a five-fight win streak, or sorry, six-fight win streak. Um, damn good fighter. I mean, this is a really good fight. And I I think I saw on the betting lines that Ferguson was, like, 
maybe minus one thirty five or something. Like he wasn't wow. he wasn't favored by that much. Like the the betting lines were pretty close. Um, and this is a dangerous fight for Ferguson, and it's a potentially a really really big fight for Dariush. I, I just I don't know which way it goes because. Mm-hmm. You know, Ferguson's coming off back-to-back losses to Oliveira and Gaethje, but those are, like, probably the two best guys in the division right now. Um, outside, of, you know, Poirier as well. I got to put him in that mix, too. But he's doing his own thing with Connor at the moment. But <clears throat> if you're looking at, you know, Gaethje and Oliveira, those losses. But, and I don't know how he, how Ferguson, like, where he's at. Like, does, did, I mean, because he got beat up bad in those two fights also. So is Ferguson's chin compromised at all? Is he still as like hungry and vicious as he was before? I have no reason to like think that he wouldn't be, but like, I I just don't know. We haven't seen him coming off back-to-back losses ever in his career. So um, I'm very interested to see how he looks. And Dariush knows the position he's in. Like this is his big opportunity to get into the title mix. So he's going to be taking this more seriously than he's probably taken anything in his entire life. And Ferguson's back is against the wall because even being Tony Ferguson and even with it being Gaethje and Oliveira, you don't want to have three losses in a row on your UFC you know, record mm-hmm. right now and stuff. So, and especially because Tony's kind of a an oddball as far as like you know him and the UFC, they don't always see eye to eye and stuff. So, you know, if you you lose three in a row, Dana might be like, yeah, you cost us a lot of money. See ya. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. who knows? So, so yeah, this is a, this is a massive fight for both guys. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson and I'm going to say it's because he knows his back's against the wall. And like, he knows he can't have these three L's in a row, no matter who they're to. Um, but I mean, Darius is going to come hungry and he's going to be, he is going to be dangerous that night. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Darius get the win at all. But I got to go with Ferguson. What about you? Yeah, same. I, I, I really, my gut is actually, uh, is telling me to pick Darius, but you, you really, you kind of read my mind. The, uh, you know, these losses we've seen Tony Tate are against the very best two or two or three, maybe four, probably three best guys in that, in that division. So uh, because of that, I'm taking Tony, but I'm with you, man. Anyone you know, anyone not initiated on, on a Benil Darius, if they're expecting this to go a certain type of way, uh, I think he's going to turn some heads. You know, you said the six-fight win streak. He's beat some really good talent. Um, this is kind of my uh, – I mean, any any fight with Tony Ferguson, to be fair, is going to be that watch out. This could be a fight of the night, but uh, I'm certainly thinking uh, eyes on this one for sure in, uh, in the co-main event now. Um, yeah, shout-out to Okakui. Next up, we've got a women's flyweight fight. I know we've talked about Caitlin Chukagian quite a bit this last year. We, we saw her, what, three, four times. She was she fought four times in 2020. She went two and two, um, but some really impressive wins there in 2020, the most recently coming in November against Cynthia Cavillo. Uh, it was back in November of 2020, and, uh, and now she's in there um, back in action, big-time pay-per-view to be on. With uh, Vivian Arajo, 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 I'm sorry, I know I messed that up, who is 10-2, two-fight winning streak, and her last loss was to Jessica I back in 2019. Feels like a big one, man, a lot of stakes coming out of this fight. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I got to go Chukagian in this one. Uh, and it's mainly because of the level of competition that she's consistently fighting. Like, it's just, you know, her her real, I mean, her only losses. She has four losses in her career. Carmouche, I, Shevchenko, and Andrade. And those are, like, some of the best in the game. So... I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Shukagian. Um, I think she's still probably ranked like right up there at the top, probably like three or something. Yeah, she's ranked ranked number two, three overall if you count the champion. So that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go Shukagian. I think she just just with her, really just more so because of of just the level she's constantly in there against, and she's just very experienced. And I think she'll kind of know what what to look out for and what to do. So I'm I'm gonna go Shukagian. Yeah, I'm with you, Chukagian. Uh, you said it, um, top-tier talent. Was really impressed that we saw in the Cynthia Cavillo fight. Um, but, yeah, this feels like one that, again, much like the vanilla uh, spot, Vivian in that spot of, you know, you're underestimating. You know, watch out for this one. Could be a very, very good fight. I know if anyone, if you're, you know, listening to this, you're thinking, why have we talked about Hermanson and Edwin Shabazi? And literally, as we've been talking, it's been confirmed that Edmund, uh, via Edmund Chavazian's, uh Twitter, that the fight has been pushed a week. Um, it's actually now going to take place at fight night on May 22nd from the Apex. So if you are listening to this, if I have not heard this by chance yet, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that we are not a few days away from seeing Jack Romanson and Edmund Chavazian fight. We got like 10-ish days or so away. Um, so that's definitely some news to keep an eye on. Um, but uh, happy to see it's not pushed further. Yeah, and this is the first I'm hearing about that. So, damn, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Though that fight's on my birthday, and I'm doing a, um, I'm doing a watch along on the Fightful uh, YouTube channel during that show. So that'll be a, a good fight to add to that. So yeah, we'll talk about that uh, heading into that fight card, but. Uh, that's a it's a really good matchup. I was looking forward to that one, and I still am. So interesting that it got a uh, got pushed back. Yeah, I was. I know we're not gonna hold up the you know, production. Nothing I can see that can really confirm the reason why yet. So we're not gonna speculate. Just know for sure, UFC Vegas twenty seven May twenty second. We will have Edmund versus Jack. It's gonna be a banger. Um, so the last fight we can talk about on this main card, and you know we'll. we'll We'll hit some high points, the high spots, and the prelims, and we'll get out of here. But uh, Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa, bro, featherweight scrap, expecting fireworks. But when when does Edson Barbosa not bring the fireworks? Yeah, for real. I I love seeing that Barbosa still out there, and like I think that it was smart for him to move to featherweight. And since coming to the division, he lost to Dan Ige, split decision, very close fight. And Ige is one of the best and most entertaining, exciting fighters in the division. Then he beat uh, Amir Khani. So, like, I think that Edson Barbosa is going to find a real new life at featherweight. And I wish he'd been fighting at featherweight longer. Like, if he could safely make this weight, he he could have potentially been a champion and still might be able to one day. Like, he still has, he's got a very... He's only 35 still, like given you know how long he's been around, and he has a very dangerous skill set because you know he's one of those guys that like even if even if the other guy he's fighting is like a way better fighter, like way more well rounded, 
you always have that potential Barbosa just like kicking you so hard in the leg that you can't continue or just hitting you with just some crazy spinning heel kick or something and just like putting you out cold. So like, I, I love watching Barbosa compete and I love seeing him doing it at featherweight. And then Shane Burgos is, you know, he's a very good fighter too. He's coming off that loss to Josh Emmett, but you know, Josh Emmett's one of the best guys in the, in the weight class and, Featherweight is just so stacked. I talk about it all the time on this show, but you know, from top to bottom in that top fifteen at, at Featherweight, that is that is my favorite uh top fifteen in in all of the UFC, I think, right now. And Barbosa's right now sitting at thirteen. Uh Burgos is sitting at number nine. So this is a big fight with like top ten implications and potential title challengers coming out of this, you know, with another win or two. So yeah, I like this fight a lot, and I am going to go with Barbosa uh, to get the win. But I, I like I like this matchup a lot. It should be a really good fight. Very exciting fight. Uh, I again, it's it's almost like the Darius fight. I want to go Shane, but like, I just can't. I'm going to go Edson. Um, very man, this is a you know a lot of talk since the the DS fight falling off's been kind of more so. Oh man, you know shucks, but. Some exciting fights in this main card. Um, if we see something moved up, dope. If we see if I added, I, I'm sure something will be moved up because these prelims, man, there's some names that jump out to me. I just see now we've got, you know, Lando Venata and Mike Grundy on the uh, early, early prelims. So that, that, that is out to be on ESPN for the prelims. But um, just a couple of these that will hit uh, on the way out. And of course, uh, Jensen will, will uh, add a, a one or two that maybe I missed. But um, the last time we saw motherfucking Jacare, he got knocked out by Kevin Holland in like one of the craziest, maybe my favorite knockout of 2020. Um, he he's gonna be in action in the main event, if you will, as of now of the prelim card. This could get added to the main card, but now prelim ESPN, uh, Jacare Souza, Andre Muniz, man. Uh, how do you expect uh, Souza to look coming off that knockout? I'm not sure yet. I mean, it's yeah. it's tough because he's lost three in a row. And that last one was like, because that was the one where Holland had him like, Jocker was like on his knees and Holland yep. was basically like grabbing him by the throat and just punching him in the face. Like off um, the ground. Yeah. Yeah. He like, yeah. And he hurt him from his back, I think even. like He did. It was, dude, it was one of the, like we're seeing it happen. And I'm just like, it's like a bit, like you can't even really do that on the video game, to be honest. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, it's tough because he's going in there. It's uh, Muniz or Muniz. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. I don't know him very well, but I, I know he was a part of the uh, contender series. And it looks like he is. I mean, this guy's won his last six in a row. His last yeah. two were actually in the UFC. 31 years old, 24 record. Yeah, that's. It's like, I don't want to pick against Jacare. Like, I'm a big fan of his, and I have been for a long time, and I rarely ever pick against him. But this is kind of a, this kind of seems like a cowboy Alex Morano situation here. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I'm going to take Souza as my pick, just as I, because I'm, it's almost like me picking Arlovsky when I, when I <laughs> always do. But, I mean, this is this is going to be interesting because if Jacare wins, like he's showing like he's still definitely got what it takes to compete in the UFC. But if he goes in there and gets smoked, that's four in a row. And that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, potentially seven 
two, three, four. He would have lost seven out of his last 11 at that point. Uh, so, like, that's, yeah, that's tough. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping the best for Jacare, but, yeah, not, not not an ideal matchup probably for him. No, I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to go with Andre Munez or Munez. Uh, either way, you're tough as shit, bro. You look good. He, he, I saw, and, and just looking at his record, I saw a quote quickly about how it really sounds like he's locked in and, like, kind of respects the challenge ahead of him and how he wants to like power so it just does he's saying those things that i'm like i think this kid's ready to come out here and make a statement so uh, give me give me andre in a little bit of an upset though i hate to see uh i hate to see it for jock ray man um i wanted to ask you about this one uh also this prelim card this espn prelim card it's only got three lists three or four listed kind of in front of me but uh some interesting stuff man Antonina Shevchenko squaring up with Andrea, Andrea Lee in the women's flyweight division. Uh, I think this could be some fun stuff, man, uh, for the for the prelim crowd. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. Um, you got Angela Lee. You know, she's coming off three losses. KGB. Mm-hmm. I mean, good fighters, Calderwood, Murphy, and Roxy. But and then you got Antonina Shevchenko coming off a win over Adrian Lipsky. I'm going to say Shevchenko gets the win. Um, her only losses are to Shukagin and Roxy. Um, and obviously, you know, she's the sister of Valentina. And, like, they, she has literally the best training partner you possibly could. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Antonina to get the win over KGB. And that's another one where, like, for Andrea Lee, the only thing that's kind of helping her, like, like uh, uh, record-wise, is her losses to Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood are both split decisions that were really close fights. So, like, you know, one of those or both of those go the other way. You're looking at her completely differently. So, I uh, I think it'll be it'll be a good fight. Uh, but I'm going to take Antonina to get the win in that one. Last one I want to hit you with. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one also. But last one I want to hit you with, and then uh, we can obviously have you uh, highlight some that, uh, that on the way out, but. The uh, early prelim card, man, Lando Venata, always excited to see him in there. He always puts on exciting stuff. Uh, you know, that stretch he had uh, back in 2017 is the stuff of legend. But in there with Mike Grundy, who I wasn't familiar with, but doing just a little bit of homework on, dude's a freestyle wrestler. I think he's 12-2 and two career. Now, he is coming off a loss. His most recent fight, July of 2020, under the UFC banner. Um, he lost by decision, but before that, his his actual UFC a UFC debut started off with a TKO win. So one to one under under the banner um, looks to be a hungry guy. This kind of it feels to me, man, could be maybe the uh, the dark horse fight of the fight of the night contender or performance of the night. Yeah, I mean, anytime that Landon Venat is on the card, like that's a possibility for his fight. Like he's one of my favorite guys to watch in the whole company. He, con- he consistently has good fights and he's entertaining. Like, I'll never forget when he made his <clears throat> UFC debut on short notice against Tony Ferguson and like actually <clears throat> pieced him up a couple times. Like Ferguson wound up winning the fight in the second round, but mm-hmm. Venata came in and made it interesting. And legendary. Yeah. And, he, and I don't care what his record is. Like it's, it's riddled with wins, losses and draws, but that just goes to show kind of the level of like how, entertaining he is like to have you know a split draw with bobby green like that fight was really really fun and that was close 
uh, the Favola fight was close. Um, I mean, it's like in the fights that he's losing, he's normally losing by decision. So it's like, you know, it's it's he's a really good fighter. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, so, yeah. And then Mike Grundy, like you were saying, kind of a dark horse, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, one and one in the company. Just don't know nearly as much about him. And Venata is like one of my guys that I I'm always riding with Venata and in him and Bobby Green. I like both of those guys a lot. Like his last when they had their rematch recently, I was pretty torn on like a pick there because I like both guys so much. Uh, but I, I'm pretty much always riding with Lana Venata. So um, so I'm going to take him as my prediction. But for anyone listening to this who maybe wasn't going to tune into the early prelims, yeah. I would recommend, yeah, I'd recommend at least watching the Venata and Grundy fight. For sure. Um, yeah, man, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked, depending on what happens with that, the main card now, um, if that gets moved to ESPN, because that feels like one that you're flipping through, that, that could get some eyes on it. Uh, are there any other ones that maybe I missed a, a fight here or there on the, the prelim or the early prelim that you're, uh, you wanted to say something about before we get out of here? Uh, sure. The, I guess the last one I'll uh, bring up, we got uh, Gina Mazzani and Priscilla Cachuera. I'm really bad with her name. Um, but Mazzani's coming off of a win over Ostovich, and Cachuera is coming off a win over Shannon Dobson. So both are, you know, coming off W's, uh, both looked really good in their last performances, uh, both got finishes. So that could be an, uh, an, inter- an entertaining fight, and that one could have uh, maybe some implications, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some implications in the, um, I just blanked on, in the uh, flyweight division. So, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, it's I'm like, trying to clear my throat. But yeah, I'd, no. I'd highlight that one as well. No, definitely. Uh, that would be an early prelim course prelim card on espn and the main card on pay-per-view espn plus i think it's all the same i don't really know man but we hope you enjoy it we're going to be enjoying it we've enjoyed hanging out we're going to be back next week to talk about all the damage from ufc 262 which is this saturday and uh, and be previewing may 22nd's card the one that uh, that jensen sounds like going to be live streaming a little bit we've got rob fawn and cody no love fighting Sounds like we're going to have Jack Hermanson and Edwin Shabazian fighting. Port McGee's on this card. Yancey Medeiros is going to be on this card. Going to be a fun one, man. Uh, we're, of course, going to be deep diving into that. We'll hit those, uh, we'll hit all those spots next week. But but for now, we did it again, man. I always have fun. I, I love just being able to kick back. And, uh, you know, seven days of the week, it's wrestling. So it's it's dope to talk some MMA. Um if you want, if you want, please follow me over on uh, on Twitter at most KOBK. I talk about MMA some there, not, not as much as I would like. Uh, but but yeah, man, a blast as always, bro. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for joining me again. Fun show. We've got a lot of great fights coming up this weekend. Um, if y'all want to follow me on Twitter, it is Fight Talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. If you want to watch some pro wrestling, check out IndependentWrestling.tv or IWTV.live. Use code Fight Talk. Always one word with no space. Just throw that in the promo code spot. Helps out myself and Moe's a lot. And uh, yeah, all the stuff I got coming up, I'll just make sure to keep updated on my Twitter once again at Fight Talk underscore. Uh, anything else from you, Moe's, before we sign off of here? No, man. Uh, I'm very fired up for Saturday. Very fired up to be talking about it with you next week. Yep. That's that's going to do it. So <coughs> for myself and Jump and Johnny Mosley, we'll be back next week talking some more mixed martial arts.